0: Well, hello and welcome to Lake Forest Church, Davidson. We are so glad you could join us here today, whether that's on the field or online. My name is Noah Satterfield, and I'm not a pastor here, but I am the youth ministry resident. I hope all of you had a great Thanksgiving, and I hope you got to spend some time with friends, family, even during all this COVID stuff. And I hope you got to remember some things that you can be thankful for. On that note, let me tell you a story about thankfulness. As some of you may know, I was on the wrestling team at Davidson College. Wrestling is a weird sport when you think about it. Like track or swimming, it's one of the few sports that can have a team win but individual losses or an individual win and a team loss. When I was in high school, we won more often than not, more times than we lost. When I came to Davidson, that was not the story. (laughs) We lost a lot. I would love to say that even though we had a... Our team lost often, that I still won. But since I'm preaching today, I thought I shouldn't lie. So I lost, and I lost a lot. It was hard to go from a time where losing was rare to a time where losing seemed to be the norm. After my first two years, I thought i have come to terms with how much harder the sport had become. But I had a loss in my junior year of college that destroyed me physically and mentally. We were about halfway through the season, and we were about to wrestle the University of Pittsburgh this match meant so much to me because one of, the, one of my friends from high school, one of the guys that I worked out with and wrestled with every day, was on Pitt's team. He had gotten tremendously better since high school and was ranked, one of the top ranked guys in his weight. I, on the other hand, had not gotten to that point. I was not ranked and I was not competing with some, some of the guys that he was beating. So when we wrestled them, it was going to be one of the first times that I'd seen my friend since I graduated high school, so I wanted to make sure I wrestled to the best of my ability. As some of you might have guessed by this point, I got the life beat out of me by his teammate. (laughs) It looked like I've never wrestled before in my life, and this kid took me for a ride. After the match, when we shook hands with Pitt's team, when I shook hands with my friend, I could see a look on his face, a look of disappointment and a look of confusion that, that was when I was broke. My coach pulled me aside after the match before we left and asked me what just happened, and I, that's when I broke even more. The next day, I had a meeting with my coach, Andy Lozier, to talk about my mindset, and it was not at all what I was expecting. I walked into his office thinking that we were going to talk about technique or maybe something about mental t- toughness, but instead we talked about gratitude. We talked about how I should change my mindset from have to get, that I get to do this, not that I have to. Instead of saying that I have to cut 10 pounds before the next match, or that I have to go through a hard practice with sprints at the end, or that I have to go write a 10-page paper after that hard practice, I move, my, I move to a get mindset. Instead of all these things feeling like a chore that I have to go do every day, they start to become opportunities that I get the chance to do. Then he asked me to do something that was way harder than I expected. He asked me to write down 25 things that I was grateful for. The crazy thing is, I think I came up with four things before I couldn't think of anything else. Yeah, only four. It was, I was not at my best. Then Lozier started to tell me things I didn't even think about initially. He told me that I should be grateful that I have access to clean water, that I have clothes on my back, that I, get a, that I have a bed I get to wake up in every morning. Of course, when he said this, I realized I was grateful for them and I realized that those life necessities were so normal to me that my heart had become hardened to their importance. When we're going through hard times, it can be difficult to remind ourselves of what we have. It, can be, it is easier to forget the things we go every day without thinking about. But being grateful for material things is good, especially when our necessities are met. But sometimes it's really hard to be grateful when you're in need going, or going through a tough time. When these, when these things happen, even remembering that we have clean water or that we have a bed might not make us feel grateful and fix the problem we're having. After all, for many still, these things aren't true. Even necessities are, are circumstantial and can change at any moment. Many people around the world don't have these necessities that I so readily forgot. So why is it so hard for us to find something that we can truly be grateful for? Where we can find something that we can always rely on, even in a time where everything doesn't seem good enough? Where can we find something that never stops? The passage brain read for us today seems to have an answer. Psalm one hundred thirty six, verses one through four and verse twenty six say Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who alone does great wonders, his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of heavens, for his steadfast love endures forever. Do you see a pattern? Poetry can be difficult to understand, especially when it uses a bunch of fancy words and images to, to say something simple. But this psalm is a little easier to get to the point. The psalm repeats the same thing 26 times. We can't miss it. We only read a couple of verses, but every single one has the same line, for his steadfast love endures forever. All 26 statements about who God is or what he has accomplished is followed by his steadfast love that endures forever. The writer of the psalm wants us to notice his love. So why? Why does the author want to point this out? What can we learn about God's love that makes it something that we can be thankful for? Why? Why did he think it was so important to repeat 26 times? What's different about God's love? All right, here we go. Point number one. Sorry, guys, couldn't do it. Thought I would, but I can't live up to Pastor Flake. Anyways, here's point number one. God's love is more than just love. It's a concrete, action-taking love. The Hebrew word used here is said. I took Pastor Flake's advice and looked in my footnotes to find it. Hesed means more than what we think about love. When you look at the psalm and other translations, God's love is described as steadfast, loyal, and unfailing. When you see how this word is used in the rest of the Bible, it can talk about God's mercy, his kindness, favor, affection, and his goodness. Hesed combines the ideas of love, generosity, and enduring commitment. It's the difference between saying the words I love you and acting in honor of, of your commitment to another person by serving them. This psalm shows God in the act of promise-keeping lo- loyalty that is motivated by deep personal care for his people, for us. Verse 13 says, To him who divided the Red Sea in two, his, for his steadfast love endures forever. 16 says, To him who led his people through the wilderness, for his steadfast love endures forever. 23 and 25 It is he who remembered us in our lowest state. He who gives food to all flesh for his steadfast love endures forever. God is with his people, parting the Red Sea, leading them through unknown territory, giving them food, the very substance they need to survive because his love is more than just love. God shows his love for us by following through with the commitment he is making. God remains loyal to his loving commitment by taking action and showing us that he's with us. God's love is a concrete action-taking love. Point number two, God's love is part of his character. So how can love be a part of somebody's character? Let's think about it this way. The color white is made up of all of the colors on the visible light spectrum, you know, Roy G. Biv. Without all the colors present simultaneously, you no longer have white. It loses one of its core features and becomes something else. Take away blue, for instance, and you get, I don't know what you get, I wasn't a physics major, but you get something. It's not white, though. God's the same way. If his love is taken away from his character, he would no longer be the God of the Bible. Love is part of who God is, and it always will be. It cannot be apart from him. In fact, one of Jesus' disciples, John, wrote a couple of letters to early church communities. In one of these letters, 1 John, in, verse, in chapter four, verse eight, he says, that the one who does not love does not know God because God is love. John describes God as love. Love is an essential characteristic of who God is, but it's also something more. It's bigger than just being a part of his character. It's part of who he is. It's part of his nature. Because it's a core part of his nature, it never stops or ceases to exist. It will always be there. Hebrews 13.8 tells us that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God's love is not circumstantial. He never changes, and he never will. His love is not a one-time action. This steadfast, loyal, unfailing love is part of who he is, and this love will never change. His steadfast love will endure forever. It will always be. His love will never fail because God chooses to love us. He sees it as getting to love us, not having to. This makes his love something that we can always rely on and always fall back on. While we toss around the word love to others as an expression of how we feel, to God, love is an expression of who he is. When you see your husband, your wife, your kids, or your close friends. You want to tell them how you feel. You want to show these, the people closest to you, how you feel about them. And we do this by telling them that we love them. This is the word we choose to say to let people know how we feel. God, on the other hand, shows his love in a different way. Instead of saying it like we do, God's love is shown through who he is, through his actions, and through his words. By being in, the presence, in his presence and the presence of his people, we can experience the never-ending love that God will always have for us. His love is constantly being shown to us. Most of us have to tell people how we f- feel in order for them to know that we love them, but God only has to be. Last point we've got today, point number three. God's love can be seen through past achievements not only what he has accomplished in the Bible, but what he has accomplished in each of our lives. We can all look back and see how God's love endures forever. We can think of it as a kind of practice of reminding ourselves of what we can often forget in difficult times. We can look back at our lives and how God has acted in the Bible to see how his love has endured forever and how it will continue to endure forever. In this psalm, the writer is looking back at what God has done in the life of the Israelites. Starting with creation, the writer walks us through the history of Israel. God created the world. He made the sun, the moon, and the stars. He brought Israel out from Egypt and parted the Red Sea for them to cross. He led them through the wilderness, through unknown territory. He fought their battles against great armies. Then the psalmist ends with saying, He remembered us in our lowest state and rescued us from our foes, for His steadfast love endures forever. Through these 26 verses, God's love transcends all of the historical events mentioned. His love surpasses every event because it is through his love that these events have come to pass. His love is the reason that we live in this created world. His love is the reason that he had a redemptive plan set at the start of the story. His love is the reason that we can give thanks to the God of heavens. Today, the best example we can see of God's unfailing love for us is through Jesus Christ. God came to live among his people as Jesus, and through his life, suffering, death, never forget this part, his resurrection, he saved his creation because of his unfailing love for us. He came to rescue us from our sins because God's love endures forever. Even when we have fallen away from the standards that he has set, God's love for us remains. God and his unchanging character showed an expression of who he is through his concrete action-taking love by coming to the cross for us, for all of us, so we can live in a loving relationship with him for all time. Through God's love, as John has said in his letters, we can come to know who he is. Through God's love, we get to know who he is. While it can be tough to be grateful for what we have in difficult moments, We can always remember God's enduring love for us by reminding ourselves of what he has done in our lives and because of this, how his love will always remain with us. Like my coach said, we can move our mindset from have to get. We get to be thankful towards all things because we know God's love endures forever in our lives, in the world, and in the story. Even in times when it's hard to make sense of that, we might need to repeat it to ourselves like the psalmist did we might need to say to ourselves over and over and over for his steadfast love that endures forever. One of the things that I've started to do and have been doing since my meeting with, that meeting with my coach two years ago is a gratitude journal. While it has evolved over the past couple of years, the concept remains the same. Every morning before I get started with my day, I write down something that I'm grateful for. Whether that be that I have fresh water, that I get to preach this sermon today, that I live in this world, or that I'm grateful for something that happened in the past, I begin the day being grateful for what I have. Whatever we write can remind us of who God is. When we are able to look at what we are grateful for, whether it's in this moment or looking back in the past, it can remind us of who God is and how, he's a, how he has acted in our lives through his unfailing love. So let me leave you with this. Let me help you think of things you can be grateful for, much like my coach has done for me. Before I close this in prayer, I want you all to do what I have done. Look back into your own lives, look at today, look around, and write down a couple of events or things that you're grateful for. When you're thinking about these things, let it remind you of God's love. Much like the psalmist has done, write the events down and follow them up with the same line each time. For his steadfast love that endures forever. Now, in your notebooks, on your phones, or whatever you have. I'm going to give you a few moments to write five things you can be grateful for. And after each of the five things, follow it up with his love for his steadfast love that endures forever. Even on the toughest days, no matter the circumstances, we have God's unfailing, everlasting love. And that is something we can always be grateful for. Let's pray together. God, thank you for this day. Thank you for this field that we can come to worship in and to hear your message for us. Thank you that we get to just come in your presence today and learn, learn about your love and about what it is about your love that makes it something that we can always be grateful for, how it's something that it never fails, and that's always something we can look to when, even in the toughest of moments. So today and through the rest of the week, just be with us and help us remind us, as the psalmist did, just keep repeating it to ourselves for your love that endures forever. Amen.